You can now take KRBN Internet News Talk Radio with you on your mobile phone as we are making it easier to listen to the great hosts here on KRBN, including our very own West Lane County Commissioner, Jay Bozovich. It's free and available on Google Play. Just look for player.fm. That's player.fm and search for KRBN. Live from Lane County, Oregon, it's the Bose No Show with your host, West Lane County Commissioner, Jay Bozovich. And now, here's Jay. Good evening, and welcome to another edition of the Bose Nose Show, and I'm your host, West Lane County Commissioner Jay Bozovich, and we're coming to you live from beautiful downtown Elmira, and it's been a nice day after a little bit of rain on and off for the past several days, enough rain that we actually lifted the evacuations for the Cedar Creek Fire, and it's kind of gotten rid of some of the bad air quality unless you're right in Oak Ridge. And even that has not been near as bad as what it was, even though it's still over 100. Um, and they actually lifted the burn ban. And, and uh, yesterday was the first day you could have done backyard burning. I waited till today because uh, I wanted to have a little bit more rain. And I tarped up my burn pile uh, last week when they predicted rain. So it was crackling dry and no smoke. Um, but it was great to kind of, yeah. After six months, I get a rather big brush pile because I have a good size yard. Um, so that's what I spent most of my day doing was working out in the yard because I, I, I've got little gaps here and there, and it just happened to be a day that I didn't have meetings, too. Um, odd coincidence. Not raining and no meetings. And, no meetings. and we're getting the echo back. excuse me, I still have this nagging cold, Um, not so much a nagging cold, but after cough, four weeks after I had the actual cold. I have a friend that's had it for five weeks, so I'm hoping maybe one more week and it'll go away. Getting better, though. But we've got so much to talk about on the Bose Nose Show, but as always, I would rather talk about what you want to talk about on the Bose Nose Show. So give us a call at 646-721-9887 and press 1, and that raises your little hand on our board and lets us know you want to talk because we we get people that call in to listen to the show because they're either in a place where they don't have Internet or, you know, they're just away from their computer, you know, like in their car, and it's easy just to – dial into the show and play it through your hands-free um, speaker uh, in your car and listen to the Bose Nose Show live while you're driving home. So, again, 646-721-9887. Just press 1. If you have a question, comment, topic you want to bring up on the Bose Nose Show, we'll have a conversation. If not, we'll talk about what Jay wants to talk about. And I want to talk about elections. We are T-minus 13 days to Election Day. That's pretty darn close to Election Day. Um, And that's 
that means we're getting down to it. Of course, it also means that you're getting a lot of stuff in your mailbox, you're hearing ads on the radio, ads on TV, getting pop-up ads you know, when you Google something or go on Facebook. <clears throat> so it's that time of year, getting emails, getting text messages. You know, they, they've managed to find ways to try and reach you in just about every possible way to try and sway your vote to one candidate or another or for or against a measure. And, uh, you know, it's, it's going to be a very interesting election. You know, the Oregon governor's race with the in, with a strong independent running makes things all up in the air. You know, will people break last minute for their parties of choice or will, will you know, Betsy Johnson take more from one party versus another? Um, will we end up with a Republican governor for the first time in, in you know, just about anybody's lifetime? I think Bicatia was the last Republican governor. And that was a long time ago. Uh, so... Yeah, I think it's more than 30 years. So, you know, we all sorts of things going on with the election. I want to quickly say that we are doing everything we can in Lane County's power to try and make sure folks feel comfortable with the election process once we receive your ballot. Um, I have my criticisms about Oregon's registration system and policing of that and keeping their voter rolls clean. But once we receive your ballot, you know, at, or whatever ballots, they do get counted accurately. And in fact, this Thursday is the first of three test audits of the ballot counting machines, where they run a stack of test ballots through there where there, there's a known set of, you know, votes in each direction, and you check to make sure the machine's accurately recording those votes. And um, they do that this Thursday. They'll do it right before they start counting the official ballots again, and right after they finish running official ballots to the machines, they'll do a third audit. So that's three sets of audits to, to basically triple check that the machines are outputting the numbers according to the ballots put in. You know, so they basically have a, you know, a, a setup where they, they hand counted out what the ballots going in were, know what's going in, run them through the machines and check it against the hand count. So can't get much more transparent than three times doing that with the machines. And at the same time, we're also going to actually live stream on YouTube from the elections office during the whole process. So you don't have to go down and be representing a candidate or a party to observe the elections. You can do it on YouTube. So um, trying to do our best to at least make that part of it clean. Other parts of our system I'm not so sure about. But I, I, I would tell you, once we receive your ballot, it does go through the, the checking against the signature that was put in during registration. That's the process where I'm concerned. Um, but if we match the registration signatures for that, that voter, and if it matches, it gets 
put into this stack to be run through. If it doesn't matches, it gets set aside to try and resolve the mismatch later by contacting a voter, see if maybe it was something where maybe they've had an injury and their signatures changed over time or, or you know, um, and, and that does happen. You know, people's signatures do change. Um, what happens more often than not, though, is a husband grabs the ballots for, for him and his wife, runs down to the ballot box and realizes, oh, my wife forgot to sign her ballot. I'll sign it for her. <laughs> Don't do that. Take it back home. Get your wife to sign it. That's actually a significant penalty for signing somebody else's ballot it's against the law. Don't do it. Bring it back home and, and get it signed, and then and take it de- the next day. Don't you know? Don't wait till absolute last minute. You won't end up doing that. But I found when I tried to perfect ballots and a close race, more often than not, that was what happened when the signatures got rejected. It was a spouse or family member that signed for a family member. <laughs> And obviously, they didn't want to go through fixing it because they'd have to admit that they actually committed a serious crime. So that spouse's ballot didn't get counted. Um, So don't sign for a spouse. Moving on to other election stuff, (coughs) I have to talk about the elections in general, about statewide races, the measures, and local races as well. yeah, reading my voter pamphlet, and I've got some opinions around some things. I, you know, obviously I lean conservative, so um, libertarian at heart, though. So I like my candidates not to want to run my life. I want them to leave me alone. Um, and I kind of feel sometimes that the party that does that the best is Republicans lately. Um, and uh, so I am supporting Christine Drazen for governor. Not to mention the fact that we've been under Democrat leadership for a long, long time. And for a long, long time, every time the test results come out for fourth and eighth graders in math, reading, and science, Oregon has been losing ground for decades, consistently getting worse and worse. Something has to change, some kind of change in our leadership that's going to get our education system straight. And it also seems like every new thing our Oregon government tries to do ends up being a total embarrassment nationally, whether it's trying to issue, um, you know, unemployment checks, during COVID, and it turned out we had we taken money from the federal government over a decade ahead of time to to upgrade a very old computer system being used by the unemployment office, and we never did it. We just sat on the money. All that time was under Democrat leadership, where we sat on the money. But the people that needed the unemployment were the people that suffered a huge amount of money trying to set up our own um, insurance uh, system here, cover Oregon, and we all know what happened to that program. And it just seems like time and time again, 
parental assistance, problems getting that out, um, going into the wrong hands and everything else. Um, we need something different because Oregon's going in the wrong direction. Some of the highest gas prices in the nation. You know, so inflation and, you know, it, this also gets to something that happened at the commissioners yesterday. I wonder if people realize <clears throat> it got delayed because of COVID, but starting in January, tenths of 1% of your paycheck is going to be withheld now for a new Oregon leave plan. You know, it's above and beyond family leave and the, the federal family leave laws and the state family leave and, and other leaves and anything your employer was providing as far as vacation, sick pay, and short-term disability, et cetera, et cetera. It's a mandated leave system from the, from the legislature signed by our, you know, our Democrat legislature signed by our Democrat governor that's going to start taking six-tenths of one percent. Sixty cents out of every $100 you earn is going off to the state. And if it's a large enough employer, your employer's got to pay the other four-tenths of a percent to get up to one percent. So basically, 1% of payroll tax that's suddenly going into this system that some people may not really have wanted. They may have had a really good leave policy at their employer, and this is going to duplicate that. Or they might be somebody like me that, you know, it's just my wife and I, and, um, you know, we, we have pretty good coverage ourselves. If we wanted to, we could buy AFLAC and other supplemental um disability payment systems, et cetera. And uh, we don't have any kids, so we don't generally, we're not taking time off for the kids or anything like that, like some families. I'd rather get a few more dollars in my paycheck. And the state basically inserted themselves between the employees and the employers and said, no, employees, you're going to have to take this system. Part of that is we have to make a decision by the end of November whether we're going to be in the state pool or we're going to set up our own pool in Lane County. Now, I just mentioned how successful the state's been in setting up new systems. So we were pretty interested in being our own standalone you know, provision of this leave. Plus, we already have to provide this FIMLA and other leaves. And so it would make sense if we had one place for our employees to go to figure out which leave they, you know, and usually it's during a very stressful time. You know, if you need those kinds of leaves, it usually means either you're sick or a family member's sick or something bad's happened. So being able to go to one entity and that entity basically is, oh, that's what's, what's going on. This is the leave you, you should draw against. And this is the best way, you know, this is going to be the most helpful to you. If we end up in the statewide pool, they're going to have to go to one set, our, our third-party provider of our FIMLA and other leave, and then go to the state and ask and try and figure out which one they ought to be drawing on. It doesn't make a lot of sense. So we were going to put everything under one 
third-party provider. It's a Oregon company, so we'd be paying Oregon employees to manage this. But um, ran up against some resistance with some of our um, uh, public employee union labor supported uh, commissioners, i.e. the progressive majority, current majority on the board. They're, they're, they're basically going, well, that wasn't, you know, we don't think it's a private should be provided. It's like, really? Bad enough, we're, we're, we have this unfunded mandate from the state. By the way, it's going to take over a half million dollars a year out of Lane County's budget for that four-tenths of percent. Right off the top, which basically means the employees are going to come up with more than 600000 a year out of their pocket. Because the half million is 440000 and plus another 100000 to administer the, the program for a total of about 550000 But the employees are going to be coming out of pocket about $660,000. Um, so, but we're coming out of pocket basically over a half million. That comes right out of all of our budgets, competes with, you know, public safety and everything else. State requires this, mandates we pay that four-tenths of a percent but didn't provide any funding for local governments, you know, after their mandate. Another unfunded mandate. But it just points to there needs to be some changes in Oregon leadership. Because I've already talked on this program about what a difficult time we are going to have funding public safety here in Lane County and how the state has consistently disinvested in county services and has done things that actually make us spend more money because they keep passing other unfunded mandates like motor voter. And now the Oregon lead plan, half a million dollars plus unfunded mandate by the state. So that's kind of why I lean towards voting for the party not in power when it comes to the state of Oregon. So I'd like to switch gears a little bit, maybe talk a little bit about measures, because um, they're pretty important. And, and the measures on our ballot that are statewide are all constitutional amendments. Now, the Constitution should only be amended if you absolutely have to. It shouldn't be a document that gets cluttered up with a bunch of crud. So I'm generally on almost any constitutional amendment, a no, you have to convince me to vote yes. There has to be a darn good reason. You've got to be fixing something that's a real problem, like maybe a pre previous measures creating it, or there has to be a good reason. And, and starting out with Measure 111 is just bad. It basically amends the Constitution to declare that health care is a human right, you know, and um, a, a fundamental right, and it requires the state to basically fund health care at a level equal to how they're funding education. And we've all seen how well our state's doing in education. The biggest decrease in scores just about nationwide 
in the most recent round of testing. I think there are only five other states that had a had a bigger drop. I am already a no on Measure 111. It just one healthcare is not a right; it's a need. And I explained on a previous show. Rights have to be something you're born with that doesn't require anything of somebody else. Nobody has to do anything for me to talk about whatever I want to on this show because my right to free speech requires nothing of you, and you don't even have to listen to me. Free speech doesn't mean that I, you're forced to listen to it. You can walk away, turn me off, whatever. But it requires nothing of anybody else, nobody's time and nobody's money. My right to protect myself doesn't require anything of anybody else. I might have to provide, you know, pay some money for whatever way I want to protect myself. My CV, I paid for that. No one else paid for that for me. Doesn't require anybody else to do anything. You know, all the things that you think of as rights, freedom of religion requires nothing for somebody else to provide. You know, all these things that people that, that really are rights are basically things that you're born able to do and require nothing of anybody else. Healthcare requires somebody to provide it. Although self-health care is probably the best, and that doesn't require anything, but what people really are talking about is they want to be able to go to a doctor and have the state pay for it because they believe it's a right. The doctor's time is required, and you know he has to be compensated for that, which means somebody else is getting taxed to pay for your doctor's services. It's not a right, it's a need. So 111, no. That gets to 112. And 112 sounds great, and I think um, might need to be done. The easiest thing is to just make sure it's not being practiced, and it could be done statutorily in law, just, you know, and setting out better. But the way it's written, and the only opposition to it is from the sheriffs, could actually prevent using things like the work crew to have people avoid staying in the jail. Because we we don't we try really hard not to have people stay in our jail because when they're in the jail, they lose their jobs, they lose their families, they lose their living stuff, you know, if they're in there for a number of days. It's better to have them continue working in their job, continue living at home, et cetera, et cetera, and sanction in other ways. And one of those alternate sanctions, rather than saying, oh, you, you broke your parole, you missed an appointment, you didn't go to your um, group meeting, you know, the old way was you spend, you know, seven more days in jail or something like that. Nowadays, we do things like you have to do the work crew for three weekends. And it doesn't interfere with your job. Or we'll work on, you know, do work crew on days where you're 
you know, off from your job. Those alternative sanctions could be illegal under Measure 112. It would, it would possibly make some of the avoidance of putting somebody actually behind bars illegal. So I'm a no on 112. Again, why in the Constitution? And I get it. We're not, you know, we don't have an outright banned uh, involuntary servitude in our Constitution. But we have to be careful how we word it. And I, you know, I, I don't think there's any um, non-payment of prisoner labor in the state. So it's kind of a, a solution looking for a problem, and it could cause a really big one when it comes to um, alternate sanctions that are intended to help people. You still have a sanction, but you don't lose your job. You still have a sanction, but you don't lose your housing. You know, those sorts of things. Um, measure 113. This is a power grab. And it's also something that doesn't need to be in the Constitution. The ability for legislators to walk out and deny a quorum is what this is aimed at. And the Democrats have used that strategy. In fact, they used it when Kate Brown was leading the, the House. It was one of the leaders in the House of Representatives. When they were in the minority, they walked out over a bill that they wanted to stop. They're mad because the Republicans have used it successfully once or twice recently. They have put a fine now where if you miss unexcused, it's $500 a day, which is one of the reasons why they didn't walk out last session. There's no need to wrap it into the Constitution. This is all about being able to ram things through and not letting the minority have any voice and not having to work for compromise. No on 113. Hmm, let's see. So far, we're three for three. No. Like I said, if it amends the Constitution, I'm a no before I'm a yes. Which leads us to 114, which is the most bizarre thing you've ever seen in your life. It sets up this, I mean, the text of the measure takes pages, for starters. Yeah. Why in the world we want to pass something this complex by initiative, I'd never know. But it basically bans the purchase of firearms in Oregon. And it makes most of the firearms that people currently use, including my CZ I mentioned, illegal. Because it's got a 10-round or greater capacity. So... This is garbage. It sets up the system that basically makes it impossible to get a, a, a to purchase a gun because you've had to go through training to purchase one, <laughs> and they're requiring the training to be provided by a law enforcement agency. Is there any law enforcement agency you know that's so fat they've got time to go train citizens on firearm safety, including a live fire session or a range? I don't think so. And there's no requirement in this measure that any law enforcement agency provide that training. 
So if you can't get the train, you can't get a permit to purchase the gun, which basically this is this is such a violation of the Second Amendment and Oregon's constitutional right to bear arms, which is stronger than the U.S. Constitutional's right to bear arms. It's very clear. It doesn't mention anything about militia. So 114, no. And who knows what kind of a mess it might cause if, you know, police agencies are required to provide that training. You know, what, what aren't they going to do instead? So four for four on the statewide measures, no. Which brings us to a local measure, 2335, which is the parks measure, which I voted against putting it on the ballot. I'm torn about this in some ways. I got overruled on putting it on the ballot, and I'm concerned that if it does get voted down, it's going to establish a, another strike against Lane County being able to fund things. And we've got to renew the public safety levy in the spring, in May. I would much rather have had this wait a year till after we had renewed the public safety levy. That's why I voted no to put it on the ballot. It's needed funding in some ways. I wish they'd gone about something different because my priorities are public safety one. Parks is one of four funds that were currently structurally imbalanced. And frankly, the other ones that are out of balance, I think are more critical. General fund where we fund almost all of our public safety is out of, out of balance right now. We're, we're using reserves. Our road fund, which is where we repair all of our bridges and roads and maintain them, is also using reserves to balance it. Kind of think that's pretty important. Our land management fund is also borrowing reserves. That's where we issue housing permits and land use permits to eventually build to get a housing permit. Kind of important there. And then parks is the fourth one. Which problem do you solve first? Um, so not so sure about that one. So that kind of measures, but I want to talk a little bit about local races because there's some kind of news that, you know, kind of keep track of things in a little bit more detail than most people do. And one of the things I notice is when Candidates get money. I kind of, you know, check the Orstar reports now and then. And lo and behold, Don Leslie, who's running for my seat against Ryan Seneca, um, got a pretty substantial contribution from recalled Eugene City Councilor Claire Surrett. Hmm. I've mentioned before that they're kind of tight. And you know what? They both support MX on River Road. Why Claire Syrett got recalled. And a good portion of the West Lane District is on River Road in Santa Clara. Okay. But, you know, Dawn's taking money from former Councillor Syrett. And uh, I've heard her say that she's, you know, supports 
you know, bus rapid transit and alternative modes of transportation, which means she probably, you know, moving ahead and all that stuff. Yep. So, you know, confirms what I've said before. Taking money from Claire, that's, that's where she is. She's supporting MX on River Road. Not to mention it's, you know, just, it seems like most of Dawn's support coming from inside the city of Eugene, which fits somewhat because Dawn actually lives inside city limits. Um, and, uh, you know, whereas Ryan lives out in Junction City and has lived in West Lane County his entire life, uh, just about, except for a short period of time where he went to school in Arizona, diesel mechanic school, uh, moved back here right after graduation. <laughs> but, you know, went to Junction City High School, married his high school sweetheart. His children are at Junction City High now. His daughters, um, you know, versus, you know, Don, the Eugene resident, um, supported by Eugene folks, whose campaign manager, by the way, is a Eugene City Councilor. So, we want Eugene, you know, another Eugene representative on the Board of Commissioners. And by the way, there's already two commissioners with Eugene addresses. Lori Trieger and Heather Buck have Eugene zip codes. Heather lives outside the city, though, but Lori lives in. Um, it would basically be three commissioners from Eugene. Why we have, you know, geographic districts in Lane County. The idea was to try and get some rural representation. Um, but, you know, along with that, you know, I mentioned earlier that the rain finally lifted the smoke and everything else for the Cedar Creek fire. And Louis speaks. <laughs> and I just want to remind folks that um, you know, the folks at Oregon Wild, who are one of the radical environmental groups that are pushing the leave the forest alone, let it burn when it's a, quote, natural fire, um, have written letters that are supporting Dawn, have endorsed her, and have provided money to her. Who's supporting you should tell you a lot about what they're going to do. And uh, just want to get that out there. And by the way, it's interesting because I've watched Don Leslie now decide to use sort of patriotic colors in her signage. And then at the same time, it's got a radio ad that makes her almost sound conservative. You listen to the ad, she talks about how she's going to find, you know, she supports public safety and she's going to find long-term funding for the sheriff's office and all that stuff. It's a surprise to me because twice she voted against motions of mine to fund extra sheriff patrol because she'd rather fund a climate action program, which included, you know, several hundred thousand dollars for consultants and a couple hundred thousand dollars for staff, um, rather than hiring two more deputies. So I don't know where she's prioritizing public safety. And then also, she voted for a pay raise for the commissioners. So that's Dawn's priorities, climate action plan, and commissioner's pay raise. 
even though her, her radio ad makes her sound like she's really committed to finding a solution, which, by the way, the real solution to our public safety funding is the ONC lands and harvesting more timber there. And those receipts come directly into our general fund and could be funding more sheriff's patrols. But Dawn has voted three times to keep us out of the association of ONC counties that advocates for raising timber harvests or holding the feds you know, responsible for their lack of support for all that land they own in Lane County in Oregon. So is she really committed to public safety? I don't think so. So it's one of the reasons why I support Ryan Seneca. Ryan, who grew up here, who's lived here, has worked hard as a leadership role at, at, at um, Eugene Water Electric Board. He's on the Junction City School Board. He understands running meetings. He understands budgets. He's been, you know, tuned in and paying attention to commissioners' meetings for a, over a year since I recruited him. He gets it. He's qualified. He is really motivated about public safety. I mean, after all, this is a guy with two two teenage daughters. Um, he wants them to be safe out in the world. Um, Ryan's, Ryan's motivated to help people out and lend a helping hand. And he will work hard to fix some of those issues around funding. You know, it's been unfortunate the last four years. I have not been able to have sway with the board to work hard on those issues. While they wasted time on things like thinking about changing the name of Lane County, passing emergency, you know, uh, uh, public health emergencies around racism and, um, you know, passing resolutions supporting Black Lives Matter. Um, speaking of which, Don's contributed to several groups that were advocating for defunding the police in the past. So, like I said, watch where people either get their money or give their money, and it'll tell you a lot about what they really are going to do once they're in office. Ryan's been getting his money from local business people because they think he's best for the economy and best for providing good public safety and good county services that everybody thinks are core services. Transportation, public safety. So, you know, look at who's supporting Ryan. Look at his endorsements. Are the, the Lane County Peace Officers Association, which is all the deputies in the jail and on the road, are interviewed all the candidates in the primary and chose to endorse Ryan and have maintained that endorsement of Ryan. The Thin Blue Line Coalition, which is a group that was put together to support police officers and has a lot of retired police officers in it and some active duty police officers, interviewed all the candidates and chose to endorse Ryan. Former Sheriff Byron Trapp chose to endorse Ryan. Where's the public safety endorsements for Dawn? 
who really, you know, that is involved in public safety believes she's actually committed to it? I don't know anyone. So when it comes to those local races, you got to be, you know, think about who's getting the support. Is it Claire Syrett and the crowd that's supporting MX on River Road? Is it the radical environmentalists? Is it the public employee unions that have a stake in wanting to have a, you know, somebody that's going to vote their way in negotiations? So, you know, basically have the fox watching the hen house. So, you can tell I, I, I'm sort of involved in this stuff. I realize I haven't taken much of a breath today. I really rolled through almost three quarters of the program without even giving the, the telephone number out since the very beginning of the show. Because I love it when people call in. You have a different opinion about the elections, the statewide measures, um, something else you want to talk about, 646-721-9887. Don't forget to press 1 because that lets Robin, my call screener and producer extraordinaire, know you want to get in on the show. And 646-721-9887. And press 1 because we do have people that call in to listen. We have somebody sitting on the board right now that's just listening in. Um, so, covered a lot of ground election-wise. We covered some ground about, you know, things like the Oregon Leave Plan, which I, I bet most people aren't even aware of. And you know what really gets me? This comes on top of the corporate activities tax, which is a hidden sales tax that multiplies at each level of the supply chain. You know, when you think about what it takes to actually get that product on the shelf in the store for you to purchase, every place along the way, from the grocery store that put it on the shelf, has to pay that 1% corporate activities tax, that grocery chain, to the trucking company that brought it to the grocery store, has to pay that 1% activities tax, to the wholesaler warehouse that stored the food had to pay that to the processing company if they're in Oregon paid that corporate activity you know on and on and on it just keeps getting multiplied so you have the corporate activities tax they threw on there on top of our income tax and all the other fees and everything else we pay car registration fees you name it gas tax um, corporate activities tax the city of Eugene sticks a, you know, 1% payroll tax on everybody, but basically it's not 1% on the employee. It's split between the employee and employee, but it adds up to one. And now they're sticking another 1% on us for a leave program, which they haven't, you know, started to administer or anything else. And I just can't imagine that the state of Oregon's going to do a good job, but it's like, oh my gosh, over and over again, it, and then they wonder why inflation is getting so bad and why people want to leave the state. You know, and why we're seeing people leave the state. You know, why would you're going to stay here for the schools? Some of the worst, you know, left behind school systems in the in the country. 
I mean, we're right down there competing with the, the deep south and, and some really, you know, it's like we're number last. We have the, you know, the worst, the biggest drug problem in the U.S., just about, but we have the least amount of mental health providers and addiction providers. It's like, yet they're collecting all these taxes, record revenues for the state, record revenues. And while they're collecting record revenues, they're shortchanging local governments. They keep pulling money back from us where we have to come up with stuff. So we're out there asking people to tax themselves to, to support our parks. And we're gonna have to go back to them with our, our, our hat in hand and ask them to vote yes again in the spring to support our public safety system. We could be cutting trees, trees that are being let burn some, in some cases. I mean, our road fund's out of balance too and US Forest Service Timber harvest receipts go into our road fund. But the U.S. Forest Service has a let it burn policy, basically. And it gets out of hand. And we went from one tree smoldering on August 1st to over 127,000 acres and about $127 million in firefighting costs. That doesn't count the cost of the evacuation. It doesn't count the cost of lost businesses. I have seen posts from you know restaurants and other you know, places in Oak Ridge that were closing down because their employees were too sick to come to work because of the smoke. Also, they just didn't have the customers there. Who the heck wants to go to a town as an air quality of 600? Thank you, U.S. Forest Service. <sighs> I get worked up over that one. I just, it, I'm hearing on the news, and, and you know, I've mentioned before that we're actually suing power companies over the Holiday Farm fire because FEMA requires us to. Who's responsible for Cedar Creek? Who can we blame for that? That mismanaged mess that was so close to a town, that was so close to the, the edge of the, the interface between the Forest Service's wilderness areas and regular forests, and so close to a town. Why let that one burn? In early August, when you know there was months of dry weather still to come. You know, at least a month, if not two. It turned out to be more than two and a half months of dry weather. That That's rare. But still, why would you let an early August fire burn out of control? Drop back and just watch it. Insane. And ultimately, you know, I believe was was partially to blame for the I-5 pylon. The very simple thing that Cloud formation and fog formation, which is basically a cloud that forms a ground level, requires something to be the nuclei of that cloud droplet, something for the water to condense on. And a smoke particle 
works just as well as a dust particle or any other particle in the atmosphere. And the combination of smoke and conditions that can form fog get very dense fog. And the predictions for smoke density were that area was predicted to be a very high smoke density the night before. They had maps on KZI the night before, red heat map right in the area that the wreck occurred. Who can those people sue? Can they sue the U.S. Forest Service? I mean, I was so happy when I heard that fire boss got arrested out in eastern Oregon for letting a fire burn over 20 acres of private property. About time somebody starts holding the Forest Service accountable. Was an attorney, I'd be out there, you know, you see these ads for Camp Lejeune and, and all sorts of stuff. You know, call now, get in on this class. There should be somebody out there going, call now. We're going to sue the U.S. Forest Service over the Cedar Creek fire. And they should be. They can sue power company. They can sue the U.S. Forest Service, I think. Ah, yes. What else is going on in the world? Oh, we've talked about all sorts of things here on the Bozno Show today. I threw out things like what's a right versus a need, and I, I and and talking about measures, talking about constitutions, mentioned things like you know firearms and and right to self-defense, and and being a no on measure 114. Just kind of surprised I haven't got anyone that wants to call in and challenge me on on. My positions on these measures. We do have about 10 minutes left, 646-721-9887. Just press 1 and let us know you want to get on the show. Again, 646-721-9887. So I'm going to kind of go off topic a little bit here and just mention something because I've missed a couple shows over the last month and it's, you know, Last week it was because I had a conflicting um, event that I, I wanted, wanted was invited to attend and, and they really wanted me there, so it's the same time as the show. Other times I've actually had house showings that interfered uh, and all that. And I finally have my house under contract, i.e. pending. Um, so it's like, woohoo! It's it's a contingent offer, though, so we got to wait till they sell their house before we can really celebrate. But it looks like um, I might actually finally sell this, you know, settle on this house sometime mid to late December, December, which is just about the end of my term. Hmm, that worked out pretty well. Um, and I haven't made it a secret. I am moving out of the state. It's mostly because we're moving closer to family, moving back east. I'm originally from Maryland. My wife's originally from North Carolina, and her sister's currently living in East Tennessee. And my younger brother, who lives in Delaware now, is getting ready to relocate to Charlotte, North Carolina. 
So we're looking to move into East Tennessee to be close to the two of them and some family. Um, you know, we both of us have lost our parents. I've lost two of my older siblings. The family's gotten kind of important to us. Um, but that said, I want folks to understand Tennessee only has a 2% income tax, and they don't tax Social Security. They do have a sales tax in Tennessee, but, you know, that's only on what you buy. Um, Their property taxes are fairly reasonable, uh, about, you know, no more expensive than Oregon's. So I'm basically getting a 7% increase in, in pay by moving from Oregon to Tennessee, just in the income tax, let alone our hidden sales tax or the corporate activities tax. At least Tennessee's, you see right on the receipt what you're paying. That buried in the price of the product. Um, and uh, at the same time, you know, I won't be forced to participate in a leave plan I don't want to participate in. And I don't have the possibility of having a statewide single-payer health system and then being taxed like crazy to participate in that. Kind of looking forward to, to moving to a freer state, um, looking forward to moving to a state where it doesn't get dark before 6 o'clock in October, um, a little bit further south, Days are longer in the wintertime, shorter in the summertime, not as much difference in the daylight. But um, I'd much rather have longer days in the winter <laughs> in a lot of ways. Um, so looking forward to that time. And I'm, I'm just understanding so much why people and why a lot of my friends are now living in Florida, Texas, Montana, Idaho, all these states other than Oregon, they're moving out of. I don't hear any of them that are moving to Colorado, Colorado, um, California, Washington State, or New York. You know, they're not moving to progressive states. They're moving to red states because they're looking for a lower cost of living, lower cost of housing. By the way, I've, you know, I've been keeping my eye on Tennessee real estate a little bit because um, my sister-in-law is looking for a new house there, a house, I shouldn't say a new one, and um, she's been sending me some of the listings she's looking at and all that. 20 acres, 3,200 square foot house built in 2000. It's a new house, not a bad house. You know, more modern, you know, larger rooms, bigger closets, all, you know, all the things you'd expect. $590,000, and basically a per square foot price, including the acreage, a per square foot of the house of about $200 a square foot. I've been looking at the listings here, particularly because I was looking at the neighborhood that the people have to sell their house. The houses that have been selling there and the ones that are on the market currently and the ones that are pending, $3 to $3.30 a square foot. Basically, an 
1,800 square foot house is going for about on a 10,000 square foot lot is going for about the same thing there. 3,200 square foot house on a 20 acre parcel is going for in Tennessee. You can get a lot more house for your money down there. So the cost of living is just so much lower. And that's why people retire down there because I'm going to be on a fixed income. And I want to have my income stretch as far as I can so I can live a comfortable retirement. People that, you know, you look at Oregon and it's just, it's becoming outrageous. And it's just like it costs, gasoline's over $5 a gallon here. It's under $4 a gallon there. That in itself is a huge factor. Wake up, people. We need, need change in Oregon. I start out talking about elections. If you want more of the same, you want your taxes to continue to increase, you want the cost of living to keep blowing up, vote for the existing party in power. But I'm telling you, if you want things to change here in Oregon, think about changing leadership, changing you know, which party is dominating the state. I doubt we'll get a fully Republican House and Senate and governorship, but that's, you know, really, um, you know, where we are. But, you know, when I get down to Tennessee and once I'm not a commissioner, yeah, I'd speak pretty freely anyway, but we might start covering some different topics, and we might start covering a little bit more national politics and less really local politics. We might go really deeper in some things, and I might be able to voice some opinions that I really have reserved, because as a representative of people of Lane County, I kind of try and you know reflect my district, and and I don't want to be too opinionated, so I, because I want people to be able to approach me, and if they think I, I've already made up my mind on something, I, I, I want to hear all sides. Once I'm not actually an elected representative, we may be a little freer on the Bose Nose Show. In fact, it might be called the Bose Nose Show um, Unleashed, or something to that effect. Uh, so, you know, I'll, I'll probably continue to do the show, and we will uh, be talking every week. And it's the amazing thing about the internet and um, you know these podcasts. You know, you'll be able, we'll be able to talk in real time and all that stuff, and you can still dial in and and get to me. But with that, I'm going to be back next week with one last show before the elections. At the same time, Wednesday, 5 o'clock, coming to you live from beautiful downtown Elmira. Have a great week. (laughs) 